Welcome to The New Way, the bite-sized podcast for leaders and executives like you who want to transform their organisation and inspire people to work in new ways. Forget stalled progress and disappointment from upstairs. Each episode, I reveal how to communicate your vision, drive change, and become the leader that everyone loves. No BS or fluff, just the practical info that you need. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne. Get ready for actionable insights, mini execution plans, and game-changing secrets from my 20 years in the trenches, supporting senior leaders to introduce the new way. (laughs) Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of The New Way with Dr. Kate Byrne. That's me. (laughs) Look, being a great communicator is more important than ever before, isn't it? And this is especially true for change managers and change leaders who are really charged with driving important organisational change initiatives. But most change managers that I know don't have a background in professional communication. And that's okay. Do I think that you need to have a degree in professional communication or to have been a journo in a past life or something like that to be a wildly effective change manager? No, not at all. But making sure that you've got solid tools, practical tips and proven formulas in your toolkit to help you deliver great communication strategies, plans and campaigns Well, that just makes sense. And that's exactly what I'm covering in my conversation with this week's guest. Mel Loy is the owner of Hey Mel Communication and Training, a small Brisbane-based consultancy with a lot of energy. She founded the business a few years ago after nearly 20 years in corporate communication roles across corporate, not-for-profit and government sectors. Mel has spent a lot of time in the trenches working on all kinds of communication initiatives, so she really knows her stuff. We're going to talk about the difference between corporate and change communication. We're talking about what you've got to keep in mind any time when you're developing a communication plan advice for change managers who are supporting senior leaders, and a slew of practical tips for creating key messages that really land. Mel shares so many great practical gems for you. I know that you're going to love it. Okay, let's dive in. Mel, hello. Welcome. I'm so thrilled we're talking today. Yeah, hi, Kate. It's nice to talk to you. I know we've um, on different, almost different, well, we are different states, different parts of the country. So it's super nice to catch up with somebody who's out of Brisbane and uh, in a whole other area of the country, which is, I always love that. Freezing my ass off in Canberra. Yes. it's. <laughs> and we're steaming ours here in Brisbane. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, I, no, I'm I'm thrilled for us to connect. And the reason why, let me set some of the context, is because like we've talked about, most change managers that I know, they don't have a background in professional communication. And that's totally fine. That's absolutely okay. But at the same time, I'm seeing more and more of an emphasis on practical communication skills and how important they are becoming in the change management and also in the change leadership space as well. That's why I was like, yes, let's talk to Mel. And I know that 
you are just a gold mine with this kind of stuff. So I'm excited to pick your brain. Oh, I'm excited for you to pick it. Why do you think that great communication skills are becoming more and more important for people in these kinds of industries and roles? I think change is happening everywhere we look and it is particularly over the last two years coming into now as a lot of companies and a lot of businesses and organizations have had to completely rethink their strategies and completely rethink the way they engage with their people and their customers and their other stakeholders. The pace of change, I'm sure you and your team have noticed it, has just gone ridiculously high, fast, big change too. We're not talking little change. We're talking big transformational change. And of course, the challenge with that is bringing people on that journey with you because the success of your change will depend on how much you can get your stakeholders to come along with you. And a big part of that is communication. I do want to stress here, and you will know this as much as anybody else, but comms isn't your only change lever. And I feel like we are seeing a lot more of these roles popping up that are changing comms leads or comms change managers. And that kind of, to me, infers that comms is the most important lever. It is a super important lever, but it's not the only one. Obviously, there's like leadership, there's governance, there's learning and development is huge around change, all that training you need to do. So I think, yes, comms is absolutely critical, but we have to look at it as part of that overall structure of what makes change happen. But in terms of the role that comms has, and back to your question why it's so important, it really is about the ability for leaders in particular to articulate the change to their people, to their customers, to their stakeholders, and be really clear on that compelling case for why. Why do I want you to change a behaviour or a system or a way of working when you're quite used to doing something as it is. And that's the hard part, is making that case for why. That's a great summary. And absolutely, I completely agree. Communication is not the only lever. It's not the only aspect. It is a core part of it. I don't think that you can deliver successful change. I don't think we can embed new ways of working without great, compelling, smart communications happening particularly if they're gunning for transformational change. So I know that change communication is one kind of change. And there's also in organisations of all sizes, there's this other kind of communication. I hear it called corporate comms or public affairs or that kind of thing. What's your take on the difference between corporate communication and change communication. When we talk about corporate comms and we talk about external and internal communication, from an internal comms perspective, a lot of internal comms is about change and it should all ladder up to your overall strategy, right? So whatever's happening in terms of major initiatives being rolled out or you know, CEOs communicating with their teams or leaders holding town halls, whatever that looks like, should all ladder up to what your organization's strategy is. To me, the internal comms side of things has that strategic element to it. It also, there is a BAU part of internal comms as well. You know, the please move your car part or, you know, don't forget this Friday is blah, blah's morning tea. And, you know, there's that BAU kind of hygiene comms, but there is that bigger piece, which is the strategic comms. There's also a piece that is around campaigns. So a lot of internal campaigns, you know, like safety week, or maybe there's an engagement survey going on, those sorts of things as well. 
I'd say 90% of internal comms has some element of change to it. And that doesn't mean you need to be a change manager to be able to do that sort of communication. If anything, what I've discovered is change managers have a particular skill set, which comms managers don't have and vice versa. So yes, you need to be aware of change and how it works in order to create great communication. But that doesn't mean you need to manage the change, which I think we need to make very clear. And the difference really between pure change comms is oftentimes you're very much related to a project, related to a particular transformation, a particular piece of change that's happening. Whereas the internal comms is really about that ongoing strategy embedding piece if that makes sense. And it was a very long-winded way of putting it, but I'm aware that not everybody's been in my world. So that's why I'm asking. It's very useful to know and be able to understand that distinction in different kinds of ways. So I'm going to start getting a little bit tactical. In a change management world, there is a suite of materials. There's a change management strategy that people usually develop, and there are also different strategies and plans that sit underneath that, the learning and development or training. There might be well any number of things. I won't go into them now, but one of them is about communication. There is always a communication plan. And I typically see this is something, sometimes it's just a matrix, you know, a table where here are the stakeholders and here's the times that we're going to communicate with them. So really pretty simple kinds of things. And I'm wondering, what is your advice in terms of some of the key elements and things that we should be keeping in mind when we are creating a change communication plan? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. And I really love how you described that it is a sub plan of the change plan. I think a lot of the times, particularly in organisations where they're very lean, they rely on the comms plan to be their change plan. As you say, it's just one of the sub plans of your overall change plan. So I love that you pointed that out. Some of the key things that are in any change or comms change plan I do, for me, it all starts with who. Who are you talking to? Because that then drives, okay, well, what's the why for each one of those audiences? What are the channels that we are best going to be able to meet those audiences where they're at? What are the messages that we're going to be using? Who's the voice for each one of those stakeholders? Because, you know, you might use the CEO for some things, but we know from research that a person's direct leader is their most trusted voice, is their most trusted communicator. In some cases, we may be providing tools and templates to direct leaders to be able to communicate the change because it's a more trusted voice. So definitely starting with who and working our way out from there, but having some overarching strategic principles. So for example, if the change is very much around a technology change, well, one of the strategic elements might be that, you know, we will make sure that our communications aligns with the L&D plan to ensure that we are building in some of that learning into our communication as well and embedding the learning as we go. So there is a higher strategic element to it before you get into the tactics, I think. The other key piece, of course, is key messages and position statements, FAQs, all those things that allow us to have in one document a really clear idea of who we're talking to and what we're going to say to them. You've broken that down really clearly. I love that focus on aligning the strategy and that bigger picture, getting clear on that and making sure you're aligning with other initiatives or efforts that are associated with that. Thank you for mentioning the most compelling or influential voice for those particular stakeholders or audiences. That is something so useful for people to hear and to really think about uh, because quite often we see people capturing 
here's this stakeholder group, that's nice, we're just going to target them, that's going to be great. But going that extra step to think about who are the key influential voices and then what kind of resources and tools and support can you provide them to help disseminate the message? So clever, such a useful tip. Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) Something that I know a lot of change managers, look, I'm just going to say it, If they're doing their job right, I don't care what your change initiative is. If you're listening to this and you disagree with what I'm about to say, it's fine. Write to me. Drop me a message on LinkedIn. Let me know you disagree, but I'm probably not going to change my mind that no matter what your change, whether it's transformational or something smaller, whether it's technical or process or your moving building, whatever it is, I think a key part of a change manager's role is around supporting and guiding senior leaders and executives to kind of show up and to be a really active, visible sponsor. And a big part of being an active, visible sponsor is, of course, communicating clearly in that compelling way. You mentioned that earlier. But I know that working with senior executives and supporting them can make change managers and other people feel kind of nervous. They get a bit nervous about, you know, what can they do to help, all of that kind of thing. What advice can you share for change managers and other people who are wanting to provide guidance and support for senior executives but are feeling nervous? It's a really good question because when you're in an organisation with a hierarchy, it's very easy to have a culture where you feel like those people aren't approachable or that you worry a bit about having those conversations. Look, at the end of the day, they're all humans and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. So first and foremost, uh, again, not a blanket approach. There's no one size fits all. So when you're looking at the executives that you need to coach, what do you know about their strengths and what do you know about their weaknesses? And what do you know are the hot topics for them? What are the things they're really interested in? With any kind of stakeholder engagement, when it comes to the crux of it, it's about building that relationship and that rapport with them in the first place. So having those conversations in the, you know, I guess the virtual tea room or whatever that looks like and positioning yourself as that trusted advisor in advance of this is really important. You can't just go in cold. If you are, though, new to the organisation you're consulting, it's really a great idea to have somebody who backs you up. So somebody they trust who can speak on your behalf in terms of saying, oh, you know, Kate's awesome. I've worked with her before. She really gets it. I think you'll really enjoy working with her. So having somebody there as a kind of trusted voice in their ear. Back to the voice, back to the voice, guys, finding the influencer and connecting with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Such a clever strategy. So who's the person who actually can influence that person? Particularly if you know they are going to be a difficult stakeholder. You know, there are some that will be perfectly approachable. They're open to learning. They're open to being coached. They're open to, yep, please give me all the tools you've got because I don't know how I'm going to talk about this with my team. But you'll have others who for whatever reason, you know, feel overly confident about their skill set or think they know what they're going to say already. And those people, you definitely need that voice of influence in their ear. So find out who that is. Sometimes it's their boss. Sometimes it's the CEO. Sometimes it's the EA. EAs have a lot of influence over the people that they work with. So again, find the person who has the influence and then use them as your way to get in there and start building that rapport yourself. And when I say get to know your stakeholders and what the hot topics are, that's a really good way to kind of spin some of what you're going to be saying around what interests them. Because if this change doesn't particularly interest them, 
then getting them to stay interested in what you're telling them is going to be really hard. So how can you connect what you're talking about with something they're interested in in the first place and make it that seamless transition? That's such a great tip. Thank you for sharing that. People talk about building relationships and stakeholder engagement. A key step is staying on the pulse of what is of interest to those stakeholders or those key influencers. What is their workload like? What are they dealing with? What are their likes and dislikes or their preferences around certain things? Even as simple as what is their availability? But what are their interests and that type of thing? And so really doing the work on understanding that first is going to help you build stronger relationships over time. I love your emphasis on focus on the relationship first. Don't just rush in. Because it's going to be very much a who who are you? Who are you to tell me this? And, you know, I've come across that before and we've, I'm sure we've all learned lessons the hard way. So this is coming from experience. <laughs> Make sure you're building that sense of trust first before you become the trusted advisor. Okay, now I'm going to get really tactical. No matter whether it's officially part of the communication plan or not, writing skills are Incredibly important for change managers and change leaders and people working in that space. Writing is still such a, I know it was something we all had to do at school and it was all a bit kind of boring and annoying and you felt like when you submitted your last assignment, that was it and you were done. But in this space of change and transformation, writing is still such an important skill to have and something I think that change managers use all the time. What tips can you share for them when they are writing something to kind of create a compelling piece or compelling messages around what they're creating? I've got a few tips. The first one would be to remember that key messages are position statements. They're not facts. So a list of facts is one thing, but what does that actually mean? How do you position those facts? So for example, let's say there's an organizational restructure going on that happens all the time, every day. Your facts might be, we have an organizational restructure. Everything will change on this date. These people will move into this team. Those are facts. But a position statement might be, because of the way our customers are requesting our services now and their needs are changing, we need to change the way we work to meet them where they're at. For that reason, these teams are now going to be doing X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. So the difference there is very much a, yes, there's some facts involved, but why? What's the positioning around those facts? And the positioning is really, really important in terms of really the taste you leave in people's mouths after they've consumed those messages. What's the aftertaste for them? And if you just go in with cold, hard facts, this leads to my second tip is think about key messages or messaging like it's on a spectrum. At one end of the spectrum, it's literally just cold, hard facts. That's it. The other end is all fluff that makes no sense, that means nothing, leaves people feeling confused or feeling like you're being very patronizing, that you are deliberately trying to hide something from them. So with our messaging and positioning, we want to meet somewhere in the middle there. You want to have those facts, but you also need to have the feeling around it as well without trying to confuse the issue. So being clear when you're looking at those messages. Definitely avoid jargon. Nobody likes jargon. Nobody loves it. Or very bureaucratic or academic language. My top tip is think about it like you're talking about this at a barbecue and then write that way. Write like you're talking about it. That's a great tip. Yes. It's the barbecue chat, right? So if you were at a barbecue, how would you explain this to somebody? 
And that helps to bring out a lot of more of the conversational tone and strip away a lot of the jargon and bureaucratic corporatese kind of language that people are prone to do more in writing, forgetting that people are going to read this or they're going to say it out loud. So how does that actually sound in somebody's ear when they're consuming that on the other end? And this is a fairly common mistake is that people write from their own perspective, not from their reader's perspective. So when they're messaging something, they're talking about why they're doing it, not what that means for the person on the other end and what's actually of interest to them. So sometimes you need to step back from your writing and just kind of think, hang on, is this about me and what I need and what I want them to think? Or is it about their perspective and what it means for them? And I think a a good way to sort of start developing your writing is, and they use this a lot at Stanford Uni, is using the what, so what, now what formula. So what is it? So what? What does that mean to people? And now what? What do they expect next or what are the next steps? And I guess this leads to another tip, which I know I'm just going one, two, three, but I've got so many, is really that there's no one size fits all to messaging either. So the what, so what, and now what are different for different audiences. So you might have high level key messages, but you need to distill those down into different stakeholder groups because change particularly will mean different things for different stakeholders, depending on the impact of that change for those different groups. So your messages have to align with what that impact is too. So many good, useful, grounded tips there. Thank you very much. That's amazing. Listeners are going to be able to add those tips to their toolkits straight away and use them today. Absolutely. Honestly, if you take one thing away from that, it's the what, so what, now what. Honestly, it will make your writing so much easier just to get clear on what you're trying to say to people. Yeah, I love that. Oh, thank you so much. Now tell me, how can folks that are listening who want to connect with you, get in contact and keep the conversation going? So you'll find me on LinkedIn as Melanie Loy, or you can find my agency on there, HeyMel Communication and Training. Uh, That's the same as my website. So you can just give us a Google. I'm also on Instagram as HeyMel.coms and under duress, I've recently joined TikTok. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But I'm that fit comms woman on there because I also run a gym in my spare time. So um, it's early days for TikTok for me and I'm still not convinced, but we'll see how we go. Interesting. I'm going to check it out. I'm not on TikTok. I don't have an account, but I occasionally go and have a little look around. Look, to be honest, most of it's wombats and cats that keep coming up for me. So... (laughs) Alrighty, so we will link to everything in the show notes so that it's really easy for people to get in contact with you. Thank you so much for sharing so much gold with us today. This has been incredibly useful and I know that you have shared some game-changing advice for change managers today. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Kate. I've been really excited to be on your show today and if anybody wants to reach out and have a chat, I'm more than happy to. I can assure you Mel is lovely. You definitely should. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mel. Thank you.